If you enjoy our videos and podcasts and would like us to continue putting out regular quality content, head over to patreon.com forward slash aircrewinterview where you can donate monthly and in return you will get rewards ranging from early interview viewings, bonus clips, credited as a producer and much more. Thank you and enjoy. And this is my big question, Gary, because obviously you went on to fly the F-15C. Yes, sir. How do you come from an aircraft like the OE-10 <laughs> to go into an air super... Like, yeah, how, how, how does that happen? I don't understand. Tell us about this. Uh, well, according to the higher-ups, you, you, you can transition if you go back to the T-38. Right. You go back to an airplane that you flew. So... Uh, Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo, New Mexico, in the middle of nowhere, nothing's out there, uh, is uh, what's called an AT-38. Uh, it's a T-38 that's been modified to drop bombs uh, and or put a uh, uh, Gatling gun underneath it to shoot the gun. And it's called Fighter Lead-In. Mm-hmm. And you go back to Fighter Lead-In and you spend, you get a month, month and a half of what I would learn is air-to-air combat in an airplane that I'm familiar with. <laughs> well, it's been three years since I've flown the airplane, but that's okay. That doesn't matter. I'm familiar with it. So you would transition to that airplane, <clears throat> excuse me, and you do that, and then you go to the F-15 squadron. I'm going to tell you right now, the T-38 or the AT-38 and the F-15, there is no comparison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. AT-38s like, like fly, like driving uh, a '57 Chevy truck, you know, versus the F-15, which is like flying, driving uh, a Maserati or a Ferrari. Oh my gosh! When I got to the Eagle and we first started flying, I was so far behind. It was like, oh, <laughs> that thing is fast. So anyway, that's that's the approved solution <clears throat> is that you fly the AT-38 to get up to speed and then you go to the F-15. <clears throat> and that was interesting. I can imagine. Uh, so was it commonplace for OV-10 pilots to go transition to like the fighter? The- <clears throat> yes, we all got... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, after you do your forward air controlling, then you go back to a frontline fighter. So if you do a frontline fighter, it would be every three months or every three years, you'd have to go do a different tour back when I was in. So you would do a forward air controlling fighter, and then you'd maybe go to pilot training, be instructor, then back to the fighter. So it's kind of like up and down, up and down, up and down. That's kind of how it worked back when I was in. Nowadays, it's completely different. I don't know how they do it today. Mm -hmm. I hear you can homestead on an airplane. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So... So I want to know your first thoughts when you you knew we, you were going to go to the Eagle. What were your th- first thoughts on the jet? It must have been like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, I don't think I slept for a couple of days. I was so... <laughs> and even drinking a lot of German beer, I still didn't sleep. Uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, I couldn't believe it, you know, because I called my dad the because my dad knew I wanted to fly. And... Um, Man, that was, it, it was very ex- exhilarating to say least. It's hard to describe uh, because you're going to get to go do your dream. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do since I was, you know, a little kid. And to be fortunate enough and lucky enough to be able to do that, 
um, extremely grateful that I got got the opportunity to do that. I'm extremely grateful that I got to fly fighters. I just I'm very, very, very lucky uh, and very appreciative of the fact that I got to do that. Mm-hmm. And how, like, uh, getting into like the nitty gritty here, but uh, how did like the ground training differ coming from the OV10? Was it was it a lot more academics coming from the OV10, or how did that? Oh work? yes, there yeah. the F15 academics is just oh man, <laughs> dude, <clears throat> because you got to learn the radar. Because that's the real, the guts of the F-15 is its ability to see targets way out there. Yeah. And, of course, the radar, everything about it is classified. Yeah. So air, you couldn't, like, bring the study materials home. You know, you, it, it just didn't work that way. Yeah. And so the radar was very hard. And... Um, the other academics you, you, you could get that was fairly easy, to, not easy, but you could do it. But the radar really took a lot of energy and intelligence um, to be able to uh, grasp what it could do. And now that compared to what the what we had then compared to what's now is, is bizarro. Uh, yeah. But back then, the F-15, that was that was a brand new concept to be able to look down, shoot down, to be able to see targets that nobody else could see, yeah. to be able to distinguish targets, all that stuff. And of course it's highly classified. So we spent a lot of time trying to figure this stuff out before we actually went out and flew the airplane and did it. And we obviously, Gary, have to talk about your first flight. What was it like? I know like the T-38 had reheat, but kicking in that reheat for the first time on the F-15 must have been amazing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, fairy tales uh, start out once upon a time. Fighter pilot stories, you're not going to believe this, but, okay, you're not going to believe this, but the <laughs> yeah. first time I get in the jet, uh, or the first time we have to do an afterburner takeoff, uh, there's an instructor in the back for good reason. Uh, and we're flying the A models uh, mm-hmm. in training because all the C models are out in operation. And so the A model is a lighter aircraft uh, than the C model. Same engine. And so you roll up on the runway, and you're going to plug in the blowers and the burners, and off you go. And I am not kidding you. It literally looked just like Star Wars when you jump to hyperspace. I'm telling you, I'm sitting up there, and I plug in the blowers, and you get this big kick like this, and you go back. Because uh, it's the first time. You've never experienced anything like this. And boom, you're gone. And all, all the things that are out there in front of you, they just stop. And then boom, they're gone by you. Yeah. And as I'm going through and rotating takeoff, this instructor is screaming, pull the gear up, pick the gear up, pick the gear up. <laughs> because by the end of the runway, which is uh, like nine, ten thousand feet, so it's a mile and a half maybe. You're doing 400 knots. Whoa. Okay. The gear speed is, I think, 230, something like that. I can't remember what the gear is, but it's significantly less than 400. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So you got to get the gear up, or you're going to overspeed the gear, and then that's it. Game over. And you get to the end of the runway, and then you just pull it up, and you just go go like that. Because it's the first airplane to ever go supersonic straight up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And... And he and he is literally screaming at you in the back, 
telling you what to do. So boom, I'm there and I'm up at 40,000 feet, roll it over and we level off and head out to the, or we're heading out to the ocean or whatever because we're in, in uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida. Oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Tyndale at Panama City Beach. And I'm, I just like, as soon as we're level, I'm like, unbelievable. I was, I was still in the chalks at starting of the airplane. And here we are. It was so fast. It was so incredible. I had no idea. Of course, the guy in the back seat is just laughing at you the whole time because because he, he knows <laughs> he because he sees it all the time he's used yeah. to it all of us are like what and um come back and land and i and my eyes are this big i'm telling it's just what an experience to get to fly that and get to do that and then of course by the time i'm operational and and i've done a couple of alert scrambles and with you know fully loaded and all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff it was now, God, this thing's a pig. When is it ever going to accelerate? Because your mind <laughs> catches up with it, and your mind actually gets ahead of it, which is the whole idea. Uh, and so you're so far ahead of the aircraft that you're like, come on, let's go. Come let's on. Go, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to take till tomorrow before I can get airborne. You know, it's, it's amazing how fast our minds and our eyes and everything goes. But the first time you experience it, nah. <laughs> if I says anything different, I be, I'll say, nah, I don't believe you. Because it you. was wild. It was wild. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. All first... I can think of is the um, um, Phil Collins, I've been waiting for this my whole oh, life, right. that song. <laughs> yeah. That was playing in my mind. I've been waiting for this my whole life. And it was like, whoa, I'm, a, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We had a, we never flew with wing tank. Well, we very rarely did we ever have wing tanks on. Mm-hmm. That's a new thing. Well, new, I should say. I mean, since the nineties, <laughs> thirty years ago. But for us, we always flew with centerline. That's all we ever flew. We either fly a centerline or we fly clean sometimes. But I would say ninety percent of mine were with a centerline. Mm-hmm. We did not fly with wing tanks. We hated wing tanks because because you limited. You couldn't do as much stuff. And if one fed, the other one did Where's a lot of, now, I don't know what it's like today, but back then, we we hated wing tanks. I think everyone does. You're, so <laughs> yeah. you're so slow. It's like, oh, my gosh. Come on. Like, you can only get <laughs> one point something on the mock. Like, if I remember one, two or one, three, something like that, maybe that much. You can only get just above the supersonic. Whereas with the center line, we'd go to, you know, one, five, one, seven easily. Correct. I mean, no problem. Center lines were great, and when the F fours uh, that were still flying air to air, like up in Tegu, which is in Korea, they flew with what called the Mac Air tank, the McDonnell Douglas, uh, the center line. They, oh, yeah. they were that the, once they got rid of their wing tanks and they put just the center line on, they were full up seven and a half G turning aircraft, and right. it was a lot of fun fighting those guys. Uh, and then they were all air to air guys, and they, they people who know how to fly an F four air to air know how to fly air to air. They're good. Yeah, because we're definitely going to go uh, come on to DACT or ACM. Oh yeah, uh, but uh, that, that's that's going to be a great topic. <laughs> Can't wait for that. But uh, yeah, just like if you can tell us, Gary, uh, what squadron were you with on the F fifteen? Uh, I was in the I was in the forty fourth, the bats. 44th, the bats, yeah. We were forty fourth Tac Fighter Squadron. Now it's just called Fighter Squadron. I don't know why they got rid of the Tac. 
Tactical? I don't know. Anyway, we were the squadron. We started off in Pearl Harbor, and on December 7th, the, we got three of our guys versus the Japanese Navy. Wow. Of course, they didn't make it, uh, <laughs> and we've been overseas ever since. We started out as the Pelicans, and then it eventually, somewhere in island hopping in World War II, uh, there's two stories. One, uh, Bacardi Rum has shipped them a, a case of rum, <laughs> and they looked at us and said, a bat. Ooh, vampire bats. That's a lot more, you know, frightening than a pelican. Uh, the other <laughs> one is they're in their tents and bat, a bats came through and they were shooting their 45s at the bats and didn't hit anything. But they said, hey, let's become the bats since they're good at avoiding gunfire. One of those two stories is the real one. And we became the vampire bats or just bats for short ever since. So, Gary, can you talk us through some uh, aircraft you fought in DACT at the time of your your career in the F-15? Oh, there's a lot. That was, <laughs> we, that was one of the fortunate things about being in the mid-80s, because <clears throat> there still were F-4s. There still were 104s, <clears throat> F-111s. Um, heck, even an OV-10, I didn't find one. Uh, C-130 I found and almost died. Uh, B-52s for tail gunner practice. I mean, we got to fight all sorts of aircraft. Uh, the F-16s were new airplanes. They uh, were up in uh, Misawa, which was up near Chitose, and in Korea. But they were A models. Yeah. And so the F-15, we owned everything. We literally owned everything. There were no F-18s yet. We had not seen an F-18. <clears throat> the um, so the F-16A models they had a, a AOA limiter and they, they couldn't get slow and we could get to 90 knots in an F-15 so we would get slow with an F-16 and it'd fall out of the sky and we we could beat F-16s uh, now the C models when they showed up that's a different story but we owned it we could fight anything from the from the uh, up in the high altitudes up in the 40s to down in the dirt it was a wonderful time to be in an F-15. Uh, we are the biggest airplane out there by far. So everybody called us the flying tennis, tennis court. court yeah. Or if you're a Godzilla <laughs> fan, Rodan, yeah. uh, you know, that type of thing. So they could see us. Uh, but once we saw them in a visual dogfight, it was fun. We, my first DACT was with the aggressors that were flying F-5s, which simulated a MiG-21. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot uh, by fighting those guys. And uh, you, the whole idea in air-to-air in -air combat is that m most people, when they fight, they think they're in the vertical, but they're plus or minus about 30 degrees of the horizon. Right. Um, whereas in the Eagle, and, and what I learned is that if you could figure out a way to explode in the vertical, to get way up, to go... Yeah pure vertical, then you could easily come down and take somebody who's just in plus or minus 30 degrees. If yeah. you're plus or minus 30 degrees, then the problem is, is that it's who can turn tightest. Like an A4, we would fight the Marine uh, Top Gun A4 guys off of uh, QB when we went down to the Philippines, uh, Subic Bay is where they are from. And those guys could turn really tight. I mean, they could sit there and turn. That We used to say they were like snot on your finger. You just because <laughs> they could stick with you. So you had to explode in the vertical. You had to go. A hog fighting an A-10, same way with an A-10. 
those son of a guns can turn real attack because they got a straight wing. Straight wing. Dude, they can turn inside of you. Oh, and yeah. they have a really big cannon on there with a really big bullet. So you learn to do a lot of that. And then the C model F-16s came around, and then we met our F-18s, the first ones. And that's when I got to learn what it was like to have your butt hanging hang to you, to have your clock cleaned. And um, that's when I knew, okay, we're starting to show our age now on an F-15 because we cannot hang with these guys. We've got to figure out a different way to fight these guys yeah. because they are they can turn like a son of a gun. They can really turn, and they can get slow. Now, I do uh, here in Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth area. <clears throat> there's a museum in Fort Worth called the Fort Worth Aviation Museum, and I volunteer out there. And I just learned that the F-18 that we have on in the museum that you can go touch and see, uh, before it became a Blue Angel, it was with the USS Midway in 1986, which is when I got to fight an F-18 for the very first time. And it was on the Midway, which wow. means the Midway went into dock to get some stuff done to its hull. So their F-18s, the Hornets, came to Kadena to fight DACT with us. Wow. And I fought that exact aircraft that is in our museum and had my clock hand to me in it because <laughs> you just don't realize. See, the F-15, when it first came out, so the wing goes like this and then it curves Cubs, yeah. down like that at the very end of it. And what that does is it increases the camber out there where the ailerons are so that you can fly real slow and you can do this all day long at 90 knots. Well, on the F-18, the whole front end comes down and the whole back end of the wing comes down. So it can do all this at 50. Well, if I'm doing 90 and it's doing 50, guess who goes out in front? Mm. Me, who ends up spending the whole time looking behind me getting shot. Which is no not a lot of fun, dude. So DACT, uh, man, that was something cool. I just, fighting F-4s, you learned a lot about the other airplanes. Which was, that's what the probably the neatest thing about DACT is that you had to learn the characteristics. And we had technical terms called P sub S curves, and it's how the airplane turns and all that kind of stuff, and all this stuff. Anyway, but you got to learn how the airplane actually maneuvers at all different speeds and ranges, and <clears throat> what's its, what are its capabilities, and when can it shoot you? That's the most important part is when can it shoot you? Um, and it, it is really challenging fighting a dissimilar aircraft after, you know, you find F-15s day in, day out. We know how they turn. We know what they do. We, and, you know, and you can say, okay, we're going to limit them for training purposes, you know, like this, but it's not really the same as fighting another aircraft, like a 104, the zipper, man, that thing goes, can't turn. But it will like smoke, <laughs> and it will go fast. So you've got to shoot it. And if you try to do a high-to-low conversion, the thing's gone before you get around. It's like the same way with 111. It's gone. Yeah, so it's you've gone, got yeah. to kill it out here in front of you, or you're never going to get shot on it because yeah. the Eagle is just too fat compared to a 104 or an F-111 that's going warp 9 that way. Yeah. It's just too hard to do. So things like that you learn, and you figure out how to exploit that. And uh, that's where the real, it's cool. 
and the challenge and you, your mind is going through the computer and your brain is just going through so many iterations of how do I exploit their weakness and exploit my strength to be able to kill that target. Mm -hmm. And obviously we're going to have to get into this, Gary, because our viewers are going to be loving this. You fought the F-14s, I think, was it 87, 88? I can't remember. Yeah, it was in the 80s, yes. Uh, the so tell us about that. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, where's my pet? Oh, man, I've got this one. You okay. lost that love Top Gun had just come out. Okay, Top Gun's out. Okay, we all, we all watch Top Gun, and we're all going, oh, wow, cool. No, you can't do that. Oh, wow, cool. No, you can't do that. Anyway. So it's out there and everybody's, you know, you got groupies hanging out and all this kind of stuff. So we're in the Philippines uh, getting ready to do a uh, weapons training where we're going to launch missiles. And I got to launch an a A-9, a Lima, A-9 Lima, I guess a drone. So the Carl Vincent shows up and it's going to, it, they want to go play. So they've got A-7s, got to fight A-7s, got to fight A-4, uh, uh, and the F-14 shows up. And we're like, this is cool. So we made a patch like this, and we put the F-14 in it, and we put our gun sight over it, and we put, you lost that love and feeling. It's somewhere. I can't find it. Anyway, so we love this stuff. So, of course, they didn't like us for that, and we said, <laughs> your mother wears combat boots, and then they, oh, we, we have a lot of fun. We love rivalries. Just love it. So a couple of our guys uh, go out to the boat. And all of our weapon school guys go out the boat. And they talk to the F-14s because they had just got done uh, playing DACT with the uh, floggers, the MiG-23s from Cameron Bay. Oh, yeah. So these guys, so we want to learn about, you know, uh, how do you uh, uh, fly with and uh, protect the AWACS, their uh, F-3 or whatever it is with the, the Frisbee on top. And they told us about good things and bad things about it and how they did all their stuff. So that was really cool. We really want to find that. So we said, are you guys going to be around? They said, yeah, we're going to be here for a while. So I said, good. When we do Cope Thunder, which is like red flag here in the United States, they they entered into the engagement. So they got to fight. So we got to fight them and their F-4s and all this stuff. So this big, huge air war that we're going to get to fight. And um, it's, uh, I don't know, probably hundreds of aircraft. They're going to go in, engage each other. So... Uh, we find a, a, a flight of uh, F-14s. And so being the good Air Force fighter pilots that we are, we went the hell with the mission. Let's go find the F-14s. <laughs> <laughs> and they were probably thinking the same thing. Yeah, uh, let's go. <laughs> so, and we called them turkeys. You know, uh, we didn't call them tomcats. We called them turkeys. Wings because out. when they sweep their wings forward, they look like a turkey, man. The big old feathers and everything like that. And, of course, they didn't like that either, so that's fine. Um, anyway, so we went out fun, and, man, I'm going to tell you what. That was the most fun, because they're just air-to-air -air guys. They're, so we're fighting pure air-to-air -air guys. That, they're not bomb droppers. They don't have to deal with any of the other stuff. They just spend all their time doing air-to-air, -air, which is all we did is air-to-air. -air. So was, this is it. We're going to get to go turn and burn with these guys. And um, I will tell you that... Um, that would be the one disadvantage that I would have to say about the F-14 is that you know what it's going to do. Because if the wings come forward, you know it's turning with us. As opposed to if the wings are swept back, it's going to be gone. It's leaving town. 
It's it's like an F-104. It's gone. Or uh, it, just, just, it just goes. So once we saw that their wings were sweeping forward, we knew that as we went to turn, they're going to turn. But we knew that instinctively they're going to do that anyway because we wanted to turn to these guys. And it was um, a most enjoyable fight. It was, we just, heck <laughs> with the rest, big 50 to 80 to 100 airplane packages doing bomb dropping on Crow Valley Range. And they're doing all this. We're just, the two of us versus two of them. And then we were just, it was, it was most enjoyable. It is a... Uh, but I'm going to have to push you on this, Gary. Who, who came out on top? We did. Oh, why are you going to say that? that? I mean, that's just, that's just, <laughs> you just know that. I mean, you don't even need to ask the question. I mean, oh, okay. it was because we said uh, no kills till beyond past the three nine line, so that you because both of us carrying aim sevens, so we radar missiles. You shoot them in the face, and we're both carrying. We're either carrying Lima's or Mike's, not aim nine Lima's or Mike's. Those are both face shooters. So we wanted to make sure that it happened past the three nine line, so we could turn. Yeah, and who and, and who goes pure vertical? Who stays there? It was just, it was a blast because here's two of the biggest airplanes out there. Because realize both of us are about the same size of a B seventeen. Uh, the F fifteen is, I think, only five feet shorter than a B seventeen. Oh wow! And, and um, the F fourteen, I think, is the same length. And when the wings come out, then it's also the same, uh, close to that same length. I've been told. I, I can't remember if that's true or not. Uh, it's probably close enough that you go, this is a big aircraft. And both of us are big airplanes. Uh, and we're both very powerful engines, man. And they want to turn and we want to turn. And that's when it's fun. You get into a knife fight in a phone booth. And it's just a lot of fun. So you yeah. get into what's called vertical scissors, rolling yeah, scissors. scissors yeah. Then ends up coming down and you're doing this kind of stuff. Everyone's trying to pull to their high six so you can shoot them. Because we limited the shots to uh, aim nine papas, which is uh, in about a sixty degree cone and behind you, so that because you can shoot with the new aim nine. Well, now they got laser guided or whatever. But back in the day, back when I was flying, the aim nine Lima's and mics, you could shoot a beam because it could it could get the heat source off the engines. Well, that's not fair. I mean, well, yeah, it's fair because exactly. it's good for us. But I want to get back here to be able to get into a guns tracking solution. That's the whole idea. We just want to get to guns and see <laughs> yeah, who can gun do. That's really what this is all about. What so. what I did hear, like as a side note here, uh, Gary, um, like I heard like the F fourteen crews were a bit sneaky sometimes. So no, bit, uh, never. No. You, you no. can't believe that. No, but, that can't be. <laughs> but the wings back, yes, so you were. think you're going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, like uh, apparently that's like a thing. I, I didn't even know that. But like, so you F fifteen guys were like, oh, he's going, he's going the speed of heat, but he's actually yeah. not. Yeah. So hopefully oh, you yeah. didn't fall for that one, Gary. Oh, they are. That's why we wanted to fight them because you just didn't trust them because <laughs> <laughs> they they fought different than the Air Force guys. Yeah. The Navy guys all fought different. They were a, a lot more, they would press to test the rules all the time. They would, they would, the rules of air combat for safety, the, the what is it in the movie Top Gun, the rules, the rules of engagement are for your safety and the safety of your crew or whatever that, that was so true in the Air Force that mm -hmm. we did not violate these rules because you would get in a lot of trouble. Well, the Navy, 
the fighter pilots would push those rules, uh, whether it be the deck, the 10,000-foot deck, or 1,000-foot uh, bubbles when we cross each other. Yeah, these guys would come in easily 500 feet. I mean, they would come close aboard. Hmm. And a lot of other things they do. And so it was, it was very uh, challenging to fight these guys. The rules that we had that we were used to fighting did not apply as much. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the debrief, one of our guys stood up and said, made some comment about, you didn't follow, yada, 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 yada. And the F-14 guys just looked at him, and all of us were like, oh, dude, don't do that. You're embarrassing. <laughs> and the F-14 guys ate this guy's lunch in public. And I said, dude, dude, just relax, man. Okay, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Let's just keep going. So, yeah, fighting Navy guys and Marine Corps guys, <laughs> Marine Corps guys didn't care. They're just going to kill you. I mean, that's just the Marine Corps, you know? Yeah, of course. They blow yeah. things up and shoot people. You know, it's just, it was very, uh, you really got your skills challenged when you fought these guys. And what was much more combat oriented because the enemy isn't going to follow the rules. Yeah. They're not going to follow. The, the Russians weren't going to follow these rules. The Russians ran you or whatever. So you got to, dude. So I thoroughly enjoyed fighting Navy guys and Marine Corps guys. I really did. Much more than Air Force guys. Just because they pushed the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And as well they should. Because they're out yeah. there playing every day. So. Yeah, so my, Gary. Uh, uh, we won't get any bad hate mail from all the Navy and the Marine Corps pooey pukes. It'll so, come anyway. to me, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the hook. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you'll take the heat. I'll, 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 I'll take that for you, Gary. Uh, but, yeah, so how many hours did you get on the F-15? I think I got six six or 700 hours, I think. Ooh, nice 600, one. somewhere on. Yeah, it's about a three-year tour. That's about what you get anyway, yeah. And before we wrap up... Some, somewhere. I think it's 600. Let's see. Yeah, about six, 600 something hours. That's amazing. So we fly, you fly twice a week and for a one, uh, for an hour, hour and 10 minutes. So it takes a long time to build up that time. Mm -hmm. so. And while I'm going to wrap up this part of the interview before we go into our patrons' questions, and obviously, this is probably a stupid question. But did no. you enjoy your time flying the F-15? Of any aircraft that I've ever flown. I mean, I love the OB-10 for certain reasons, but for actual flying and doing the old, the old term dogfighting, uh, it's called air combat maneuvering or basic fighter maneuvers, dogfights. Um, that aircraft was a dream to fly it was you asked it to do something it did it and i absolutely love if i could go back and fly the f-15 i would um <clears throat> even putting nine g's on your body and what it does to your body um it, it just you became by the time i left it you became at one with the aircraft you you really just knew you just, yeah, I, I could hear things on the Eagle. I could, I could, you could feel things and you knew what the airplane was doing without ever having to look at the instrument panel. Yeah. It talked to you is, is the term that we use. It talks to you and flying the Eagle 
you it, once you learned the language, you knew a lot about the airplane, what it could and couldn't do. And I've 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 done things. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I was flying a, a a station wagon. That's what we call the two seater, a station wagon, a D model, and giving a guy in the back seat a uh, motivation ride because he'd done something that was really cool. And so we'd stick him in the back seat, and we're doing a dog fight and doing fighting one on one v one. And I, I bring the aircraft up to try and get over the back here to go get the guy. And as I'm bringing the airplane up here, I look out for some bizarre reason. And out the fuel dump mast, there's fuel coming out, but it's going straight up. <laughs> and I'm like, instantaneously, I knew this is not where I want to be. <laughs> if I fly like this, I could uh, uh, compressor stall both motors. Because the air is not supposed to go in the back end. The air is yeah. supposed to come in the front end and go out the back end. And so, and I'm full afterburner power, which is probably the only thing that saved me. So the airplane's coming down like this. <clears throat> I don't really realize it quite yet. But when I see that fuel going up, I go, there's something wrong. And somebody told me a long time ago, if you ever get in a situation in the Eagle, and it's, it's a bad situation... Grab one of the handles here that we use to pick the canopy up if we don't have any pressure to be able to put the canopy up. And take your hands, uh, Hormel being the finest quality of hand, uh, ham, take your Hormel off the stick and just let the airplane fly. So I just mm -hmm. kind of put my hand kind of loosely like this. And sure enough, the airplane flops over. Usually it goes over on its back, which is a piece of cake. Well, it flops like this. And, of course, the negative G lifts me up in the seat. Well, my seat belts are loose so that I can turn around and look behind me. So I'm kind of airborne. And the stick is down where, where my anus is. <laughs> when the G's come back on, I'm going to poke myself, which is not going to be comfortable. That's not really good. So fortunately, I grabbed this handle. And as it's going down, <coughs> excuse me, I push myself back into the seat. And then, boom, it hits. And I'm hanging on to the airplane flying guy in the back seat goes, that was cool, let's do it again. And I'm like, oh, I came to die here. This is not good. So the Eagle, it's just an amazing aircraft, how much it talks to you when you can listen to it. So this is from Jin Zhang. Can you comment on the slow flight characteristics of the Eagle, especially when in slow flight BFM against a high alpha fighter like the Hornet? The, uh, like I said, before I met the Hornet, <clears throat> we could fly, it, it, you could be completely stalled almost on the airplane. And you have so much thrust with the afterburners that you just sit there. Um, the, uh, we could get to 90 knots, which was unheard of. 90 knots with the airplane like this. And we could kind of move it and control it and do this, all this kind of stuff. Uh, which was unheard of at the time unheard of i mean most airplanes that are like 120 130 knots okay well the hornet shows up and they're a model hornets this first their brand new brand spanking new right out of the factory with the navy and um so typically when you get into a turning fight one of the things that we would use a lot of eagle was to get slow with them because we know we could beat anybody you could get into a, a rolling scissors and you could get slow with them well, the problem is, is if I'm doing 90 knots and he's doing 50 knots because his AOA allows him, because of his wing design, because he has the same thrust-to-weight ratio as I do, 
Everything's exactly the same, except he's a little bit smaller than I am, and he's got a wing that the front end curves down and the back end curves down, so the, the technical turn is camber, so the airflow over that wing, he's still able to operate like this at 50 knots. So he's at 50, I'm at 90, and I'm starting to go in front of him, and I'm going, this is not good, this is not good, because he could do this and shoot me. Well, he lowers his nose like this, and this is where the AOA capability F-18, the Hornet, is so much better. Because I, I think, oh, God, what a dumbass. He's, he just screwed this up. I've got him. He's easy. Because on the Eagle, once you lower your nose, you've got to get to about 120 knots, 130 knots, to get it back up again, to get the nose back up. So I'm thinking the same thing's happening to him. So he lowers his nose. I roll over and lower my nose, and he goes just like this. And I go, this is really not fair. Because mm -hmm. I'm going down as fast as I can. And he rolls over. And then now the hunter has become now the hunted. And now I'm doing the funky chicken. I'm doing the funky chicken all the way down to the, I said, you're not going to, I'm not going to let him gun track me. I'll let the ground kill me before anything else. <laughs> and he just, he just freaking just, man, got his AOA, his ability to fly that slow and, and do that. So we both have the same nose authority, but his ability to swap ends is crazy. If I were to pick a dogfighting aircraft in close, I would always fly the F-18. That's just me, just because yeah. it's that good. Now, I don't know anything about the 22 or the uh, 35, but, man, I'm telling you what, that F-18 is phenomenal. At least it was when I saw it and kicked my butt. Man, he ate my lunch, and that was not <laughs> a lot of fun. That's awesome. So I... the, the, the funny thing is, is that the museum where we had that, that F-18 – the guys in the museum want to paint a, a, a little wreath, put a little kind of like a cross on there. and says, here lies Gary Goff that was killed by an F-18. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. There. I think that should, that, that should uh, happen. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. F-18, a Hornet. What an airplane. What an airplane. Absolutely. And we've got one here from uh, Joe Kunzler. So how, so how is the situation? situational awareness in the F-15C. Oh, that is, that per gentleman's question, that's what makes the difference between uh, a one who flies a fighter and one who is a fighter pilot. Right. The situational awareness, S-A, to get situational awareness is phenomenal. And, uh, the F-15 allowed you a lot of SA as you're approaching the battle because you can see everything out in front of you. You're, the radar is phenomenal it, at the time. It was just, you, you could find everything and you could sort targets in, I mean, way out there. You could find two ships and, I mean, it just was phenomenal at being able to sort it. The real test of a fighter pilot situational awareness is once you go past the merge and once you start turning, because it's not just me versus him. <clears throat> it's it typically will go in a four ship. There's other players out there who are fighting their airplanes too. And and is it better for me to to negate this guy and kill that guy over there and then come back and take on my guy? That SA, that situational awareness is um, is learned. You have you have to do this enough to learn it to be able to figure stuff out and get an idea and be able to predict because I need to fly 
to where the airplane is going, not to where the airplane is. That's a big concept in an in air combat maneuver. It's not, it, where is he going? So I need to fly my jet over to here to meet him over there to be able to kill him. Yeah. But what started all this is the canopy on the F-15. The canopy, uh, because like the F-4 and all the other ones, it was real low. The canopy rails are, canopy rails are down here. And you can see everything. You can. That's a key. A big key is being able to see, uh, because they always said one peak of your eyeballs is worth a thousand sweeps on the radar. Wow. Because yeah. if you see it, you can fight it. And yeah. that was one of the golden rules of basic fighter maneuvering of air combat: is lose sight, lose fight. That's yeah. just that's an a number one. It, you can't kill it if you don't see it. So you've got to see it. And if you lose sight, dude, you can't kill it. It's really lose sight, lose fight. That's the number one rule of the three rules of air combat maneuvering. That's awesome. That's an excellent question. Situational awareness is critical. And the Eagle was set up, once you learned how to fly what we call the piccolo, all the switches that were here on the stick and all the switches that were here on the throttles, we call it playing the piccolo because you're moving your fingers. Once you got into the muscle memory of being able to do that, all you had to do is look outside. Because you know what you're doing, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, it's a great airplane. Well, it led led the charge for situation awareness on all the other fighters that are out there now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully that um, uh, Gary answered your questions there uh, pretty well. And uh, we're going to go into a bit of a personal uh, uh, questions now, if you're happy with this, Gary. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. These are from me. So, um, oh, what did you do after the Air Force? Uh, I uh, got out of the Air Force after about eight years uh, and went into the airlines. Uh, my uncle, who flew F-105s in, uh, mm-hmm. out of uh, Tockley into Hanoi, uh, he got out of the Air Force and got on with the airlines, and he suggested I do the same. And so I basically followed his footsteps and flew 32 years with American Airlines. Awesome. So, and I've been paid to fly airplanes for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any hobbies, Gary? I used to uh, work, I uh, had a 2008 Mustang, uh, California Special, and I used to work, I modified it, did a lot of work on it. That was a lot of fun. So, I did a lot of um, just car. I, I was a car enthusiast and did a lot of work on that. But now I've sold it, and now I, I bought a, a German product, a Mercedes Benz Roadster. Ooh, nice one. And um, <clears throat> I'm just loving driving it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, exactly. That's my hobby now, is driving. <laughs> just driving about, there you go. Yeah, this driving could... a lot, driving fast. <laughs> <clears throat> right, this could be a difficult one for you, Gary. Uh, what aircraft did you enjoy flying the most? It would have to be the Eagle, by far. Eagle straight. Uh, The OV-10 taught me a lot about being a fighter pilot, about doing combat, about what it takes to do that kind of mission. Um, Just the the air combat arena, both air to air and air to ground. But the Eagle, by far, flying that airplane, boy, what a jet. Just, I cannot express how much gratitude I have to be able to have the opportunity to fly a frontline fighter and to fly something that was purely air to air. God, that is so much fun. 
Yeah, so, very lucky, lo very lucky man, but well deserved, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, the next question is um is there an aircraft you wish you could have flown or you would like to fly i would love to fly the 18 the hornet <clears throat> i think that would be a lot of fun to fly i think man uh that's a cool airplane but um by far my greatest wish would be fly a world war ii Fighter, a Spitfire, a Mustang, a P-47, a Thunderbolt, um, any one of those aircraft, I would just, I think that would be fun, fun to fly. I think flying, I've got a, right up here is the Barry, uh, AF, Barry Clark's Spitfire that's coming out of the clouds. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Um, a graduation gift from pod training for myself, so that thing's 40 years old. Um, I think flying a Spitfire... Uh, flying a B-17 bomber, flying a Lancaster. Oh my God, Mosquito. That mosquito, would be oh, a yeah, cool airplane to fly. A, a Mosquito would be fun. I mean, just think about it, man. The thing's made of balsa wood with <laughs> fucking big ass motors on it. And you're flying around and you go, and you're just this other guy here and you're going, mm, I think a Mosquito. If I were to put top Mosquito and, and to be able to go in low and fast, dude, that would be cool. I think a mosquito would be awesome because everybody's got Mustangs and Spitfire, but a mosquito, yeah. that would be awesome. A mosquito. Yeah. That would be the airplane I want to fly. Good answer, Gary. Uh, and finally, oh, uh, cool what a great aircraft. <laughs> and final question. Uh, can we find you online anywhere on Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? Yeah. I just, I just joined Facebook. Yeah, I know I'm old. <laughs> I just joined Facebook. Yeah. So you can find me there now. I just, you, uh, saved you and watched your thing now, but I was on Twitter for a long time. I was under um, Joe Pilot, Eagle Driver at Joe Pilot. So yeah. you can find me at Joe Pilot, J O E P I L O T, Joe Pilot. Yeah, and I like everything. I was given when I, when I um, uh, was doing something with my car, and the, the other guy helping me do turn wrenches. Said, let me guess, you get on the PA on the airline system and says, This is Joe Pilot. And so that's how I got Joe Pilot. <clears throat> that's awesome. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so some Red Turner gave it to me. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so don't worry, folks. I'll, I'll link all um, of uh, Gary's yeah. links below to so you can follow him and stuff like that. But uh, Gary, what an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's I know it's been oh, only an hour, but it's been absolutely amazing. Dude, you're awesome. You're a great interviewer, man. Dude, oh. you're good. I don't know why you've got so many billions of followers. Man, you're good. This is <laughs> fun. Dude, this is awesome. I mean, That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to like, uh, I'm going to stop. You're incredible, man. <laughs> I love it. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, man. <laughs>